Are we live? We are live, pal. Kevin, I said, are we live? We are live, pal. We are live, Bruce. Kevin, now, for our audio listeners, when they hear this afterwards, you're just going to be listening to this and whatever, but we are on a live show. We don't do this much. We did this for SummerSlam. They hear and this really, afterwards. That's about it. Usually we're pre-taped, but Kevin, it's payback. It's only fair we give you loyal listeners and fans a live experience of Elite Heat. So how, how are we all doing? Let's all file in. Kevin, I know the mood's up. Energy's up. You must be feeling good, pal. Oh, yeah. We have so much to talk about. Not only are we going to be talking about payback, not only are we going to be talking about Seth Rollins retaining his World Heavyweight Championship in a brutal, just tough, uh, death-defying match against Nakamura, we are also going to be talking about some uh, some minor news that you guys may have heard. Yeah. Um, CM Punk got fired from AEW. No, no big deal. <laughs> uh, you know, we're going to talk about that later on. Uh, boy, I have a lot to say about that. I cannot I wait. Bet you do. I cannot wait. Now let's not waste any more time pandering here, pal. Now, yeah. let's get right to it. Um, mm-hmm. So the show, it kicked off hot with the steel cage match, Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus. This match went 20 minutes. Um, yeah. I felt like this was a, uh, a, a justified time length um, for this match, and I, I could not help but think the entire time while I'm watching this match, the only thing I could think was, man, this would have been great on SummerSlam. Kevin... Yeah, this this stood out like a, a sore thumb in a good in a good sense. This was, yeah. you know, this was I don't know. We saw SummerSlam with that infamous match that we both loved, that everyone loved, Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey, where the most memorable moment was a shoot knee strike. We all remember that. Now we had this, which this was excellent. Um, yes. Kevin, I'll. I mean. What was your, I guess, either favorite part or just general takeaways from this? Because, I mean, I have a bunch I can get to, but I want your ruthless opinion. This opened the show. What did you think? Hmm. My favorite spot of the match was probably when they were both slamming each other's head into the cage. It's like, wow, that's cool. Um, you know, I, I really like the pacing of it. The, the other two times these women wrestled, it, it wasn't great pacing. Um, I, I thought Zoe Stark, uh, like we had talked about in the preview, I thought Zoe Stark was necessary. I, I thought she added an element uh, to this match and you know the, the post-match breakdown with her and Trish and Trish like yelling at her I thought that was good Trish just like oh you, you you're not serving me anymore get away from me yeah that's that's Bye. always good yeah classic heel stuff yeah classic heel stuff but uh what about you pal I thought the way they used the cage was great um yes. Kevin, we've seen cage matches where the cage might as well not be there or it's literally its only purpose is to like ruin the view of the camera shot but these two even the first like half of the match when the match isn't exactly it's not as like peak stages you've got you know trisha's grading becky's face on the cage becky's like doing the same to trish you know becky's and the trish like ah they're like freaking out as their face is on the steel and then the camera kept zooming in on that like big wound trish had on the forehead and now the commentary kept talking about it over and over and over again Corey graves wouldn't shut up about that wound on the forehead. Oh. More on him later. More on what will become, Kevin, hopefully a new bit on our show called The Trash Men. Yes. More on that later. Um, but nonetheless, no, I really like that. Um, obviously, the forehead bruise. They used a twist of fate. They were doing paying homage to Trish and Lita from like 20 years ago. It's always cool when they have little throwbacks there. Just might as well. Um, I love the the tug of war bit. We, we, literally physically with Trish, Zoe Stark and Becky did a tug of war. 
Like it's cool spots like that. Creative, interesting. I liked it. Um, Kevin, if you have to be a star ratings guy, yeah, um, and give this a star rating out of five. I know we have some loyals in the chat right now who love star ratings. Uh, if you had to give a rating, what'd you give this? I'd probably give it like three and a quarter. I I, I would say three and a quarter, three and a half. But what, what's that? What's that face for? Three and a quarter. I'm like, if that's three and a quarter, okay, fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. I mean, it's I mean, just because it's a standout match on the show, I, I'm not gonna mm-hmm. make a knee jerk decision and say that's like a four star match. I, I don't know if, if I if I could say that in good faith. But what do you think? Is that where you're going? What, like four what stars? Could, what more could they have done realistically to get any higher of a ratings? I feel like for these two with this stipulation, that was the best they could have possibly done. Yeah, no, right. you're, you're probably right. You're probably right. I don't know. I I, I just want to say this too. I'm, I'm pretty sick. I've been sick all weekend. Yeah. Um. So I, I just want to say that if I sound like I'm out of it or anything. So maybe I just need yeah. to go back and rewatch this match when I'm not sick. Yeah. Well, because Kevin, in my opinion, everyone was saying, or what I was being told people were saying at least, and the mm-hmm. feedback mm-hmm. was that this was on par with, well, this is better than, or maybe second to Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair from WrestleMania. I thought that match was overrated. Mm. Rhea versus Charlotte WrestleMania. Mm. That was boring for 12 minutes. And then they did some finishes in the last eight and everyone said it was the five-star match. That match is overrated. This match, right from the start, because they opened, the crowd was good. The use of the cage right from the jump, they were involving the, the structure and it was they did good spots throughout and in like 20 minutes. I thought it was like a four, 4.25 sort of match. I liked it quite Interesting. A Four and a quarter. Wow. That's interesting. I thought this was I thought this was wow. the pro match of the night alongside the street fight. That's just me. Wow. Um, so place to be saying. Maybe some people will disagree. I don't know. This is gonna be an interesting review. So yeah. Wow, yeah. look at that. Uh, JT getting some heat in the chat. You'd love to see that. Uh yeah, really? usually it's me that, that gets the tomatoes thrown at him. So yeah, throw throw How's the tomatoes. Over, right? Oh my god. Throw the, the tomatoes at him. The first half of Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair. what was like what yeah, let, let, let's not go yeah. off the rails. Uh, throw your tomatoes at JTE. Um, for now, I'm going to stick with uh, with three and a half stars for that match. Yep. I have to go back and rewatch yep. it. Um, mm-hmm. If you're saying it's four stars and everybody else seems to be saying it's four stars, maybe I missed something. Yep. I must have watched a different match. I don't know. Yep. Um, uh, Becky Lynch gets the win. You know, Then we get a little post, uh, post-match interview later on the show with her and Tiffany Stratton. Are you interested in seeing that program? Seeing Becky Lynch go down to NXT, challenge for the NXT Women's Championship? Hell yeah, why not? You know, I'd prefer that than Shayna Baszler versus whoever in a 15-minute shoot-knee strike match on pay-per-view, you know. Wow. I'd prefer that to a 17-minute Rhea ripley Raquel Gonzalez match, which we'll get to later. Uh, but nonetheless, Kevin, let's just move this along. There's plenty to cover today. Uh, I want to talk Cena, okay? Yes. Cena, the payback host, him being the host made my investment in this show from like, eh, to... Okay, okay, when, when's payback on? You know, went from, you know, eh, to, okay, mm-hmm. So Cena comes out. This is how, do want, I'll read my notes, okay? So John Cena's here, exclamation mark. So my screen, my screen crashes as soon as Cena comes out, which is great. Uh, and then I wrote, Hogan, Flair, Austin, Cena, the goats, the Mount Rushmore. That, that was my, you know, non-opinionated little write down of my notes. Uh, then I, I write down this, Kevin, this is a bit, this bit racy, bit spicy for the chat. The Miz looks like a drag queen Jedi. So there's that. Do that what you will, Kevin. Um, but yeah, <laughs> on your thoughts. So Cena's in the ring. Pittsburgh sharing him with Chance. They love Cena. Mike Mazzan comes out dressed as a Jedi. What were your thoughts? When you're watching at this stage, what's Kevin Garcia thinking? 
I actually thought the promo off between him and The Miz was pretty good. I, I kind of dug it. I, I kind of dug the segment. Um, Cena coming out, pandering, and, like, that whole solo part where it's just him, like, doing his thing, like, throwing his t-shirt, throwing up the, the, the sign. It's so weird to see John Cena become a beloved figure amongst, like, wrestling fans, you know? Because yeah. he's been amongst, like, adults and hardcore fans and pretty much everybody except for, like, women and children, which was, like, you know, some of the people at pay-per-views throughout the years. He yeah. would be just showered with Cena sucks chance and John Cena sucks and go away. And now it's just strange. Yeah. It's the opposite of the norm to watch him come out and just like, you know, now they're announcing him as the greatest of all time, which I think is super cringe. I just yeah. have to say that that's like beyond cringe. You know, that that's like if, if the, the announcer at the Lakers games were like, oh, this is the greatest of all time. Making his way to the court, LeBron James. Like it's just beyond cringe. Please, enough of that. Um, but other than that, I liked everything about this uh, disappearance from Cena. Like I was saying earlier, the Cena Miz yeah. stuff was fun. Uh, Miz had had the line about what did he say? That Cena looked like a, a Teletubby. Yeah, he, he, um, yeah. So they're, they're discussing what Cena's wearing as the host, and Miz goes, "I mean, you look like a fifty-year-old Teletubby," which. I'll take that. That's if the Rock said that. That that is going absolutely yeah. viral on everywhere. So yeah. it was a good line, objectively a good line. I like that. I mean, I like that you mentioned that thing with announcing the goats. Like, I mean, LeBron should be announced as the goat at Laker games. He is the goat, just objectively. Uh, we, I'm not even gonna. Uh, that's objectively not even an argument. Um, that being said, Kevin, I love the back and forth here with um Cena and Miz. You know, it, it was. I'm sure for you, Kevin. You're getting flashbacks to 2011. You're about to go into the fifth grade or whatever year group you're in. You're getting PTSD flashbacks, I'm sure. But for me, I thought this was, you know, entertaining. Like, you know, Cena's like, you know, Miz, you, you've hosted more than I have. And Miz is like, yeah, I hosted. Remember, I hosted WrestleMania. And I was thinking, yeah, I remember when Miz hosted WrestleMania. Wasn't Shane McMahon blew out his knee. And then Snoop Dogg jumped in the ring, <laughs> boxed the people's like elbow. And then Miz got pinned. I remember that, Mike. Like, what, yeah, because the Miz is a great host. It was just a funny interaction. Point being, Kevin, they get to LA Knight and the Miz. That's really the next talking point here. Kevin, if you think LA Knight is over, say yeah. Let me say this before I, I, I respond to that. I thought it was hilarious that Cena was burying the Miz the whole time. It's like, yeah, you're a good host, pal. Yeah, you're good at this whole thing. I usually don't do this. I'm the main eventer. You know, I've been to like A-list celebrity movies. You know, you, you just host Raw segments, pal. That that was great. I love that yeah. by Cena. Uh, continue now. Ask me again. I was just gonna say. So yeah, LA Knight, Miz. They had their match. Um, I mean, I was like surprised. I didn't expect it to be bad. I didn't expect it to be overly great either. I'm sure a few people are similar. Uh, what they produced was good. Uh, Cena and his special guest referee role was really entertaining. Cena is so like over the top. I guess that's why a, lot, a, a number of the, I guess, the Attitude Era fans who hate him and just adults who hate them and stop watching because of him don't like him. It's the, it's the goofiness. Like, during the match, I liked it. I liked every time LA Knight or Miz did anything, Cena's face would be like... Like that. It's like a cornball, over-the-top, goofy reaction. Um, so that being said, Kevin, the initial question I had for you, what were your thoughts on the match? Did you love this match? Are you going to show this match to your friends, family, everyone? Like, what were your thoughts? Uh, definitely not going to be showing it to friends and family. Uh, but I, I did like this match. 
I thought it was good. I thought it was solid. It was, I would say, better than I expected. Um, it got the job done. And I will say this, LA Knight felt like a big deal uh, after like leaving this match. LA Knight, to me, uh, when he and Cena like clashed and they had their stare down at the end on the ramp as Cena raised his hand and put him over... I was looking at that thinking, okay, this is it. It's clicking now with LA Knight. I see it now. I see the hype that everybody has been saying LA Knight has. Like, for me, I'm not the kind of guy that's just going to jump right on a bandwagon. I want to wait and see, you know, a few hundred people can say, oh, yeah, LA Knight's the next big thing on Twitter. But I want to wait and see and see how it, it plays out organically on TV or on Peacock. And yeah. I, I thought this played out very well. Yeah. Um, I was looking at it, like, watching Cena stare down with LA Knight, and I was like, this is a match worthy of John Cena's return to WWE. This is a match yeah. worthy of him putting his body on the line, but risking uh, not being able to, to get movie deals because he's, he injures himself in the ring. Uh, not that match we saw with Austin Theory at WrestleMania. That is not a match worthy of seeing John Cena return. But LA Knight is now on the level of a John Cena, and it's an intriguing matchup, and it's an, it's an intriguing feud. Yeah. Like, when I say he's on the level, I mean, I just mean, like, he's on the level of, like, a credible opponent for John Cena. And, and th- we didn't really have a lot of, like, new guys, quote-unquote, that we could say were credible opponents for Cena. Like, when, when we would try to, like, fantasy book Cena's opponent for WrestleMania, it's like, oh, we could have him face Edge, or, you know, put him in there with Roman Reigns. But it's nice to see a, a face like L.A. Knight and that now could benefit from the rub of John Cena. So uh, I assume we're going to see that at Fastlane. That, that'll be great. I'm here for it. Yeah, and I'm, I do like the... It's pretty obvious what WWE are doing. We discussed this in the preview. It's just a general thing. WWE brass, the you know Paul Levesque, the, the, the head honchos, the Nick Khans, the, the, the board, they're trying to decide and they're trying to say in real time where on the spectrum of Fandango to Daniel Bryan, LA Knight falls. Yeah. Is this just someone who's over in Europe because of a catchy chant like Fandango? Or is this someone who's going to have a year-long ride of momentum to like a WrestleMania main event? Where on that spectrum does LA Knight fall? So this match was really good in sort of deciding that. This was a definitive bit of proof. This isn't Fandango. He's definitely a few steps further up the ladder than that. Uh, where they're still, I guess, deciding whether that's US champion, whether that's up a mid card. Is that maybe like a one off feud with like a Roman not winning? Like, where does LA Knight fall? We're going to find out. Uh, the one, or two things I did like as well the, the boo yeah sequence in LA Knight matches. This is now a thing that that's really good. When his opponent punched him, boo, and he hits them, yeah. Like they, they do like a very over the top yeah instead of just boo, hey, boo, hey, how it usually is, or the crowd just going through the motions. This time, the crowd can really get behind it. Whenever LA Knight has some offense, they go, like, they scream, yeah. Uh, one more thing. I, I, a bit of, you know, Kevin, my exclusive club, I'm going to call it the Trash Men. So, first member, I inducted officially at SummerSlam, Corey Graves. And I called him garbage. <laughs> bit of proof, okay? When people ask why, why I you know, criticize Corey Graves or commentary, this was Corey Graves' direct, direct quote. So, at this oh, stage... Boy. On this stage, you got LA Knight is punching. He's doing clean punches on Miz, all right? So LA Knight's clean punching Miz, whatever. Cena's just sort of standing there. He's doing his job. Graves in the most boring, monotone, dry tone. Come on, Cena. Get in there. Those are clenched right hands. Boring. Who cares? If that was Jesse the Body Ventura, 
All right. If that was if that was Jesse the body, I can't do his voice perfectly, but picture the Jesse the body voice. He'd be screaming, John Cena's a disgusting cheat monsoon. What a terrible excuse for a referee. This is a joke, McMahon. You know, it's the emotion, <laughs> it's the wording. It's yep. the, you know, making you react. Corey Graves just got that's a prime example. Just goes through the motions. It's just whatever. But then Kevin, stop me there. That's all. Cena gives LA Knight his flowers. We can move on. Yeah. I want to say this real quick before we do move on. Yeah. Uh, LA Knight is super over. Like, it just, it's evident. Like, he's just, it, it's lasting. It's been like three or four months now of this LA Knight movement. Um, he's faced the Miz and now a, a, in a mid card match. Presumably, he's going to get a main card, main event uh, style program, main event feud with John Cena. That's the, really the next big test. If he could do this and have good promo offs with Cena, because you know Cena's going to come for his jugular. When they're standing and they're holding microphones, standing across from each other. Cena's going to come bring in the heat, and I want to see how LA Knight responds. But, man, he's over, and he's going to be a big star. I, I really I see it. I see it now. All right, now, next match, pal. Was there, is there any segments or anything that happened that we missed, or are we just going right to the next match? No, we can just move on to this match. Uh, this, yeah. this was the... Oh, can I intro can I I, this? It's not, it's not the annual, it's not the right word. This is the um, every couple months, Rey Mysterio, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Theory, sort of mid-cardy match of the show. Um, Kevin, what are your thoughts on yeah. one of your favorite wrestlers of all yeah. time being relegated to, let's put the Cinnamon Toast Crunch things on the screen and barricades during his match, guy? Yeah. yeah, so this is a, a top 30 performer of all time in, in Rey Mysterio. An absolute legend and an icon of this business. A, a guy that's inspired generations <laughs> of, of professional wrestlers. And he's in the ring with Austin Theory. Uh, um, and then on top of that, not only is he in the ring with Austin Theory for no rhyme or reason other than Austin Theory carried around a prop for 11 and a half months. Like he was carrying the prop when Vince was still writing things. So he's got to get a rematch, pal, because just because he was carrying a prop in airports and in hotels and backstage at the arena, he's at the gym doing push-ups, got the U.S. title there staring at him. Now, also, there is a title to a rematch on a pay-per-view. I, I digress. Um, so Ray Mysterio's out here doing the best he can with this match, and then all of a sudden they're just like, oh, it's a Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> oh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch is sponsoring this match. Thank you. Oh, beautiful cereal. Go get your Cinnamon Toast Crunch at your local Walmart or grocery store, whatever you have near you. Like, come on, you know, come on. I mean, the only thing we needed was one of the LWO members, like Zelina Vega. All we needed was Zelina Vega dressed up as a piece of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And, and that would have been the cherry on the cake. Um, this match, not, not it for me. You know, I know a lot of people like Austin Theory. I love Rey Mysterio. But, I mean, they did some cool spots. But, man, I don't know. It. It was average, you know? It sucks that Rey Mysterio's not given better content to work with on, on uh, what could be his last run. It's the Theory match. He's there, I guess. I guess we'll give him a participation trophy. We'll praise him because he, do he does his job. I guess, Kevin, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just wrote, and Art in the chat here, I assume you're referring to Theory when you say, how's the kid supposed to get better if he doesn't work with the best? Mm. I mean, he mm. worked with Cena WrestleMania. Did that make him better? Mm-hmm. Did it? I don't yeah, know. Cena definitely regrets doing that match. I know. And he's been held off of pay-per-views for like the last three or four months. He wrestled at Backlash, then this was his first pay-per-view in the last three, I want to say. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if he, if he was going to get better, he would have gotten better by now, I think. 
you know, worked with Vince McMahon, worked with Seth Rollins in an infamous yeah. program, like a several month long big match program last year. Like they, they've tried with him. It, it, it doesn't click. And maybe, maybe in two years they'll do something, I'll change him up and it will. You never know. Like that happened yeah. with Roman Reigns. They tried for ages with him. That didn't work. Now yeah. he's the, the best of this generation by far because of how they've changed him. So fair yeah. enough. It um, could happen. The really, so the, Kevin, my notes, quite literally my notes for this, Kevin. All right, Theory versus Rey Mysterio. You ready for this? Oh, this should be good. Cinnamon Toast Crunch, lol. All right, Theory is walking garbage. Oh, no. And then I go, the second member of the Trash Men, so Corey Graves and Theory. So there's there's my club. My, my club's building, and there's one more member to come later on. So, uh, yeah, Ray wins, thankfully. Yay. Uh, I think we can move on. Unless anything else you want to talk about with theory, pal? No, I'm done. Uh, all right. Okay. Fourth match of the show. Yes. Judgment Day, Damian Priest and Finn Balor versus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens in a Pittsburgh Steel City street fight. Jimmy hit us with it. Give us your most brutal, raw, uncut, absolutely just transparent thoughts on this uh, Steel City street fight. This exceeded what i thought it would be um i don't know what you thought of this i thought this would be more like what they ha- the last five to ten minutes of the SummerSlam, like Bella rollins match where it was sort of just like briefcase being slid in judgment day member i mean it was judgment day members flying everywhere that's what this became in yeah. the end but i uh, like a lot of this match especially the first i mean three quarters i mean the whole match was pretty good there weren't really like bad moments um kevin owens in my opinion was the star of the match him in like the jersey, the bleeding, the Swanton bomb spot, the Dirty Dom. That was like the highlight. That was nuts. You know, like that's a, that, that's a Jeff Hardy 2008, 2009 move that you're talking about in schools. You're talking about at the the, yeah. the cooler at work as you're, you know, you're making your lunch in the break room. Like that, that's like a sick move. So Owens did that to Dirty Dom, like on the floor through a table, you know, in the middle of the Pittsburgh arena, pal. So that was great. Um <laughs> I'll get your thoughts, pal. You know, this match, it was, it progressed the story of Judgment Day. I guess they now just have all the titles. Uh, they're just making them another one of these Triple H, Undisputed Errors, Bloodlines, another just stable with all the belts. I think that's just what Paul Levesque does. So, uh, yeah, thoughts on that, thoughts on the match. What are your vicious opinions, pal? I thought this was match of the night. Uh, it was great. If I had to give it a star rating, I'd probably give it four and a half stars. Okay. Uh, I thought it was one of the better street fights of the PG era. Like, I was watching this match, and I was thinking about, like, the times when we watched, like, Randy Orton and Sheamus, or Randy Orton and Alberto Del Rio beat each other up in PG era street fights, like, 2013. Um, I thought this was, like, for what it was, it was good. The the hockey spot, when Owens and Zayn put on the hockey jerseys, and Owens had the blood pouring down his face, he paid tribute to AEW's John Moxley in, in that in that moment. What a moment. Uh, I love the hockey stuff. That was awesome. And Michael Cole yeah. calling the Pittsburgh Penguins the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, that that set up Cole. Um, that set up Corey for his line of the night, where he's just like, "You idiot! They're the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the, and the Steelers have six Super Bowls." Like that's literally Corey Graves' line of the night is correcting Michael Cole for his mistake because Michael Cole doesn't care about real sports, <laughs> or, or he was trying to mess with Corey Graves since he's from Pittsburgh. And I gotta say this too: I watched our yeah. preview. Speaking of Pittsburgh. And I cannot believe that I said that Shane Douglas and Mick Foley are the only two wrestlers to come from Pittsburgh. <laughs> I was like, I was listening to that back and I was like, how did I forget Kurt Angle and Bruno San Martino? Literally two of the top 20 wrestlers of all time 
are born from Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh got two out of twenty. Like that's low, that's what ten percent. They got ten percent of the of the twenty greatest wrestlers of all time, and I completely did not name either one of those. Yeah, you I, said I, Sh- Shane Douglas, Shane Douglas, Shane Douglas, and Mick Foley, but not Bruno Sammartino, yeah. who held, held the title eleven years, and then what? Kurt Angle, one of the as we discussed in our bio two months ago, one of the greatest of the modern era. Wow. Yeah, I probably have COVID. My memory is. Oh, I shouldn't say that. I should. I shouldn't say that on the stream. We're gonna get taken down. Um, I probably have the <coughs> virus. Uh, so my my, my memory is going foggy. <laughs> okay. Um, not one more thing. You you reviewed this match really well. Um, JD McDonough. Is it McDonough or McDonough? Hey, McDonoughhue. McDonoughhue, whatever yeah. whatever his last name is, JD, whatever. Like, like he's the actor. The third and final member of the Trash Men for now. Um, he comes out, he get interferes late in the match, and then Owens literally grabs him, slams him on the floor. Like it looked, it looked painful. It looked like a look. It looked like it hurt. But was it like when Randy Orton used to slam Jinder Mahal's buddies? Yeah, it it looked like that. Yeah, it, like, was, way, it was kind of like that. Yeah. Him, Owens got him and like closed yeah, line, and McDonald's like him. slammed back Ooh. first on the floor. It looked like it really hurt. And then he grabbed him and threw him to the table. I'm like, ha! <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Um, but yeah, what were your thoughts on the ending? I, I you know, the, I want your ruthless thoughts because Damien Priest is standing there. He's got the undisputed, he's got both tag titles. There's the Money in the Bank briefcase. All right, so my, my ruthless, raw, uncut thoughts. I, I was not too invested in the the tag team champions because you know they've been left off of pay per views. You know they they don't really get a ton of TV time. The tag team division is not really a focus right now, so I wasn't like on the edge of my seat like oh my god, I want to see Kevin and Sammy keep the titles or I want to see Judgment Day like work together and Damian Priest and Finn Balor work out their issues and win the belts. So you know like that for that aspect I was like okay like the finish happened Judgment Day get the titles. Um, I do think the tag team titles will be better on them. They get more TV time than Owens and Sammy do. But why not put the titles on them? They're literally the... Raw is built around them every single week. They're the focal point of Raw. Those guys get at least like four to five... Those guys and girl get four to five segments combined at minimum per show on Monday night. Yeah. So you might as well have them like standing in the ring starting Raw every week with all the titles, with the tag team titles and the North American title and the women's title. Why not? Uh, you know, yeah, that, no, that's the way I look at no, it. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, and <coughs> yeah, there you go. I, I don't. I will park it there. There's, there's more we can say. I think we'll save this for maybe a late take yes. in the coming week or so. Then yeah. we have a big show with that. Um, but that being said, do you want to move it on, pal? Yes. Yes. Let's talk about uh, Rhea Ripley and Raquel Rodriguez. I, I'll be quick on this because I know you have a lot to say. Um, this match, and I'm going to talk about this in, in my overall summary of the show, but this match dragged. Good. Oh, you want to talk, oh, oh, yeah, oh, you want to talk about the Walder effect? Yeah, let's, yes. do it. let's do that. Let's do that. Go ahead. Because the fact of the matter is... Yes, yes. Do that. My boy. Yes. The the best Australian, like, true Australian talent. Because I don't present Ray Ripley as some Australian. Grayson Walder's a legit... He's like an, he's an Aussie Australian. I Watching his segments is fantastic. I've never felt more represented by a, a talent <laughs> on... Like, he's great. Yeah. And uh, just a couple of just... Quick example of this. He, he's in the ring. They do the big entrance. Crowd's already booing him before he even starts speaking. He goes, I've seen Pittsburgh's rating levels. None of you can finish a story. <laughs> like, even if someone, even if some writer wrote that in a room with 
Triple H and Nick Khan. That's still the way he delivered it is hilarious. He performed that line and got a great reaction, a big boo because of that. Walla, he was mocking Cody's whoa, he was mocking it the whole time. Yeah, that was great. Brilliant. That was funny. Like, <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> that was great. And then Cody goes, Pittsburgh, what are you wanting? And Walla goes, hey, shut up. No one cares what Pittsburgh wants to talk about. They're a bunch of idiots, Cody. So just just get your announcement. And like the whole thing is literally Grayson Walla. He does this with everyone. It's Cody, it's Edge, it's whoever's on this show, whichever established stars on the show. The whole thing, he dismisses entirely this like great main eventer and like this right next to him. He goes, I don't care about you. You suck. I want a viral moment for my show because I'm Grayson Waller. Like that's just, that is brilliant. That's better. That There's a theme to that. It's better than just Miz TV where he sits there for 15 years with a microphone with an M on it going, mm-hmm. oh, there's some beef here. Mm-hmm. Oh, Nikki Bella slaps Brie Bella. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Kobe Kingston is arguing with Dolph Ziggler. Oh. And like Miz is like this idiot just like kind of moderating. Grayson Waller stirs the pot. He's dramatic. He's into it. So Kevin. That was ridiculous. <laughs> Thank you for that. I needed well, that. Yeah. Um, that being said, pal, what'd you think? Um, the segment, the announcement, do you want to reveal the big announcement for our listeners who may not have seen this show, pal? Yes. The big announcement for those who have not seen payback 2023, Cody Rose came out into the, the Waller effect and he announced that main event. Jey Uso is now the newest member of WWE Monday night raw. So my question to you question has triple H sat in a creative meeting one-on-one with Cody Rhodes. And as he said, you know what? Tony Khan gave CM Punk his own show and creative control over his own show and the right oh, to send man. people home and the right to recruit oh, anyone he wants to collision, right? Did Triple H say, you know what, Cody? You can now recruit people to Raw. Raw is your show. I, me and Nick Khan are going to negotiate the sponsorships, the rights fees. But here, Cody, here's the keys. You run Raw. Is that what happened here? Did I miss that? Does Cody have his own show now? We're going to get Cody and his buddies going raw on monday nights is that is that what's going on here when, when did cody get the power to, to have wrestlers change brands well kevin he's the greatest talent in wrestling today he was robbed of a world championship at wrestlemania he appears every night getting monstrous reactions he's objectively the biggest star in wrestling good on him he, he deserves the creative and the the political pull backstage pal and yes I hope, I hope Cody, Paul Levesque, Nick Khan, don't take notes from that inmates running the asylum debacle, in, you know, in AW. Don't take backstage notes from them. Do your own thing. But yeah, is Cody recruiting Jey Uso to run his own show, pal? Are they going to hey. call Monday Night Raw? Are they going to rebrand Monday Night Raw to Monday Night Elevation, Monday Night Dark, pal? Are we going to get the Dark Order coming out and Cody saying, this is... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we got QT Marshall. We got QT Marshall at Raw. <laughs> now, now we're gonna have Pharaoh versus Matt Riddle in a kettle from hell match, pal. Now this is Cody's Raw, pal. We're gonna have Brandy Rhodes slapping Brie Bella, pal. Uh, I like I like my name of going raw on Monday nights with Cody Rhodes, or, or Cody goes raw on Monday nights with his buddies. How about that? That, 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 that's, that's in his show. Am 
imagine, imagine Nick Khan in the board meeting. He's got these like these like eight figure high value executives, suits and ties. All these like fifty eight year old white dudes who are addicted to coffee. They're sitting around this table, and Nick Khan he, he like lays down the law. He's like, "We've made eight figures from Cinnamon Toast Crunch. We're gonna spend that money on making it Monday night." What did you, you just call it? Yeah, going raw with Cody on Monday nights. <laughs> yes, that. Um, with that being said, yeah, Cody announced Jay Uso, and then Cody like dipped and he was standing on the aisleway, just sort of standing there watching. Uh, Grayson Waller proceeds to literally trash Jay Uso for like oh, a minute, man. which is hilarious. He's like, "Hey, call me unprepared on my own show. Hey, eh? what are you? What are you doing? I mean, you've done nothing in your own career by yourself. Who are you? You're like, what have you done? Like, you know, are, are you Jimmy or Jay Uso?" Like, just, that was great. Yeah, that this whole thing was great. great. Yeah. yeah, I like Jay Uso's new theme song too. I want to shout that out. Yeah, and then Jay punches him. Grayson Waller rolls around like he's been shot. And then, you know, the segment and Jay Uso is like doing that with the crowd. And they're doing those camera shots. And you got like Pittsburgh. The, the, this whole arena is buzzing. Yeah, they, Legion of Kurt Angle fans going crazy. <laughs> Uh, the uh, art is seemingly not a big fan of going raw on Monday nights with Cody. So, uh. that's that's dreadful. Like that that you you must have a bit of <clears throat> in the brain there for that idea. That's awful. Hey, that's awful. I mean that would be funny. Come on. All right, pal. Um, made myself. I made my, I made myself laugh. So I'll take that. All right. So Rhea Ripley, Raquel Rodriguez. I'll be quick on this. Um, this match mm. dragged to say the mm. least. That's probably the best way mm. I would describe it. Um, I'm kind of confused why this match got 17 minutes. I, I yeah, I don't I don't get that. Um, and it's not just this match. I guess like the main event got almost 30. I want to say like 40 after the intro. So Man. why this match got 17 minutes after like like that hot street fight and that hot segment with Cody and Jey Uso and Grayson Waller kind of confuses me about the placement of it. Um. If you want to like a like a, a settle down match, a cool down match, why have that cool down match be seventeen minutes? Yeah, I mean, I, I said this in the chat, which is probably the answer, uh, because keyboard warriors online want like equality for the women. So I guess it's just the, the, just the length of the match, regardless of what that looks like when it's actually happening. In this case, it was seventeen minutes and twenty seconds. This match should have been five minutes. This match should have been Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar women's edition. Where they just yeah. they look at each other angrily for a minute. They're doing like intense staring, and then spent three, four minutes finisher, finisher, kick out, kick out, you know, signature, signature, finisher, signature, finisher, signature, barricade spot, finisher, finisher, boom. That would have been more memorable. Would have been fun. Instead, it was literally just them soaking up time. Ray Ripley locking in some move on Raquel's arm. Raquel's shouting in pain. They'll get up. They'll go to the corner. Rhea's going to punch Raquel. Raquel's going to move to the next turnbuckle. Raquel punches some more and just sort of went on and on and on. And I was saying this, you know, you know in Brian on a, on a Discord, I was like, wrap this up. Wrap this up. There's no, re- there's, there's no reason this should be going on and on and on. In the end, Kevin, who would have thought? Dirty Dom came out. Rhea Ripley hit the Riptide one. Yeah. Obviously. You could have saved 12 minutes. Just have it be Brock versus Goldberg women's edition. Instead, it was nearly 20 minutes. In the preview, we said this should go eight at most. And it went nearly 20. Why did Rhea Ripley need Dominic to help her beat Raquel Rodriguez? 
That that's one question I have too. Disgraceful. Yeah. Like I, I no disrespect to Raquel Rodriguez. She's not really an established star. Like they're working on building her and they're doing a good job with that. Um I don't know. I think it would have made more sense to have them build up to a long and lengthy match the way they did with Becky and Trish. You build to it, you build to it, you build to it, and then you get to it. This match could have, yeah, it could have been five, six minutes, finish your fest, you know, or they could have done where Raquel, like, surprises Rhea and gets the better of her and is kicking her ass for, like, three and a half minutes, and Rhea barely escapes after, yeah. like, surviving the, the early onslaught from Raquel Rodriguez, and they do it again. They run it back. There's so many different ways they could have gone about this. I was not too intrigued in watching these two girls do, like, reversals and holds and, you know, cool moves. Uh, that's not really what either one is known for, honestly. They're, they're both brawlers. It, it felt forced. I don't know. Her, whichever producer was assigned to this match did a terrible job. Whoever put this match as being 17, 18 minutes, bad decision. This really hurt the flow of the show. The other thing, after they do the Wallace segment, they've had that incredible straight fight, you know, Theory, Mysterio, whatever. But yeah, LA Knight, Cena, Miz. The opener was really good. I really enjoyed that. This really hurt the flow. This yeah. went 10 minutes too long. This happened at SummerSlam. Well, obviously, Ronda and Shayna initially killed the show at SummerSlam, but then that Belair, Charlotte, Oscar match went 10, 15 minutes too long. That dragged to no end. This is becoming a problem. These like co-main event women's matches that go on way too long. It, it, this needs to be addressed because this nearly, I won't say derailed the show, overreaction, but this was 12 minutes too long. And is it just because they both have the same physical as China? I guess Triple H loves them and they have to have a 20-minute match because they look similar to China, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what it is. We had to watch Adam Shares bodylifting girlfriend take on Rhea Ripley. Fantastic. So that being said, pal, we can move on. Yes. Uh, main event time. Seth freaking Rollins going up against Shin, as Michael Cole annoyingly referred to him as, like, several times on commentary. It's Shin! Corey Shin! Oh, my God. I, I, I couldn't say it, but yeah. Seth freaking Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, I like the, the intro. Yes. The Rollins coming out and letting the crowd serenade him in his theme song. That was great. He's just sitting there soaking it all in. Rollins' entrance is uh, entering the next level. Whatever that next level is in terms of entrance and presentation, Rollins has hit that. He's figured it out after years of trying to um, figure that out. He's hitting the next level, whatever that level is. And then Nakamura uh, doing the anime intro. And yeah, that was cool. I, I really like that. That's, that's hot right now. You know, anime's hot. It's smart for WWE to capitalize on that. Uh, why not? You know, Nakamura was just on Lil Uzi vs. Album. Uh, you know, like he's popular. You know, people like Nakamura. And he, it's not his fault that he was misused and Vince McMahon didn't really know how to use him properly. Triple H does, and we saw that here. Now... This, uh, with that being said, about the, the point about Vince not knowing what to do with him, that kind of hurts him here, you know, when you have Nakamura, like, all right, to, to describe this for what it really is, when you break it down, you boil it down, this is a guy that Vince had in catering for the last five years, like, pretty much through the pandemic era, he was doing nothing, like, after the run with Styles, he did really nothing, he had tag team title runs here, he was off TV for a lot of that time, this guy is uh, is facing Seth Rollins for, like, a championship that's newly established, doesn't have a lineage, was just created because, hey, Roman has both belts and, you know, he's better than everyone else, so let's make this new belt. You, 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 comp you combine that, all those factors, 
it, it's difficult for the crowd and for the viewers to get invested in the outcome and in, in the match itself. You pretty much know Seth Rollins is going to win. You know, it's very predictable. It's hard, but th with that being said, they still had a pretty good match, I thought. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I thought the fact that one, it was just a singles match. Two, the storyline's gone on for about three, four weeks. So not, it hasn't been too, too fleshed out. And the fact that the whole match was just about working it back. So you sort of pigeonhole yourself into what you can do. Because um, you can't get really crazy when one guy's had his whole back worked over. So either you totally destroy the psychology of the match just for some big high spots late to kind of make it more fun, or you sort of just do the match and have a finish, and then the, the guy got beaten up one, which is sort of what happened. Uh, Seth Rollins wins. How long did this go? What, 25, 30 minutes? Yeah, 26 so, minutes was the official bell time. Yeah, and like I'd love to know, Art Carter, you're in chat. What did you give this? Because this, this is one of those matches I watched and I was on a call with Brian this. I, was, I wasn't even really saying much. I was watching the whole thing. I'm like, it, am, I gonna, am I missing something? I want to consume this whole match. I want to see everything they do, pick up the pacing, crowd interaction, psychology, all of it. So I can give like the most fair rating. So Art gave it four and a quarter. Fair. Uh, to me, I felt like this match barely got out of first gear. I was watching it the first maybe 15, 20 minutes. It's, you know, obviously work in the back, which is only so much you can do. That's why I say they sort of pigeonhole themselves. And um, I think some people were expecting this just because it's Rollins and Nakamura, that it'd be Zayn versus Nakamura from TakeOver Dallas like seven years ago, because that was this like legendary big match. The crowd was riding all the waves of emotion, big spots, Zayn's doing big moves. It was this big, awesome match. This wasn't that. This was a kind of story, work the back, Rollins overcomes and gets a win. And I was expecting a Money in the Bank cash-in. I was expecting something. I, I thought the show would end, as we said in the preview. Rollins wins, yes. But Nakamura assaults him from behind. Maybe gets the sledgehammer out or gets a weapon. Or maybe, I don't know, he hits a Kinshasa to the back and Rollins is in pain. They get the stretcher out. And Rollins like gurneyed out to end the show as Nakamura is like laughing maniacally to end it. Something, I don't know. Uh, but this sort of ended, R Rollins hit a stomp, and then he crawled over five seconds later, pinned Nakamura. Nakamura's at ringside, standing there like this. He's like, <laughs> he's like laughing. Rollins is in the ring with the title. I'm like, okay, what's going to happen here? They show the Kurt Angle documentary teaser thing, and the show ends. Well, uh, Nakamura attacked him after the show went off the air. Why was that after the show? And it was, uh, it was on Twitter. Now, that's what Brian's saying. So did he get stretchered out, Ryan? Did they like did he beat him up like real bad and then the ambulance came out? Why wasn't this on the show? Why wasn't there why didn't Priest at least try to cash in? Is Priest an idiot? Like if, if I like you the, the world champion is literally in the ring and he can't stand up because his back is in agony. Yeah, that Run doesn't make sense. Win. Like I, I get it. Or even at least have him try. Maybe he runs out. I don't know. Here's an idea. Maybe Priest runs out. He's like, oh my God, I'm going to win. And then Balor runs out. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We had our moment earlier on the show. We, we had our moment. We're the judgment day. This is about us. It's not, you know, stop trying to make this about yourself. Then they can have an argument or something. Then Rollins can run away. Or maybe Nakamura can attack. I don't know. I don't know. The ending felt flat. Rollins won and the show ended. Uh, Kevin, what were your thoughts? Well, for the Money in the Bank thing, we know they're waiting to do Damian Priest for his bad bunny at some point. So they got to just. They're not, and that's why they're not advertising him, I assume. Because I thought it was kind of weird, too. Like, it was just like, oh, Damian Priest is just holding this prop. Like, yeah, he's Senor Money in the Bank. 
but it didn't really have any significance on this show. Um, yeah, that's the only thing I can think of is they're yeah. saving for Bad Bunny. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, I like the psychology of the match. I thought it was solid. Uh, three and three quarters stars, what I would give it. Uh, yeah. the, you know, the spot where Nakamura hit the Kinshasa and then he couldn't get the pin or didn't go for the pin, you know, doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, like, Asasha to the back, and you would think that'd be enough if Rollins' back is that truly hurt. Uh, yeah. I, me, personally, I'm not a big fan of the injury matches. That seems to be a staple of the Triple H era. It's just, oh, this guy has an injured finger. Work the finger the whole match. Work the leg. We saw that with Bianca Belair. Yeah, it's good. But, like, sometimes I do want to see a balls-to-the-wall match, like what we saw with Sammy and, and Nakamura. Like, you got these two guys, Rollins and Nakamura, haven't wrestled one-on-one in a high-profile match. Go balls-to-the-wall. Why not? I mean, I, I, they're going to run it back at Fastlane. But what are we going to see there at Fastlane? I don't know. It, it seems to be a theme with Nakamura matches, too, or Nakamura feuds. Like, with AJ, he was just going after his balls. And now he's going after Rollins back. Um, interesting. Yeah. Kevin, is this just going to be the Styles feud again? Not to the extent of the low blows, because that was stupid. Everyone hated that. But, like, the, the match, like this match, for instance, you see Rollins and Nakamura on paper, and you think, oh, five stars, legendary match. I'm sure yeah. some, some slideshow guys and some reviewers and some podcasts will just give this five because of who's involved. Yeah. Ignoring the fact that, I mean, if that was just – Two random, two randoms working the exact same match, move for move. They give it like three and a half, probably, just because of who's involved. They'll give it higher ratings, I guess. That's how the that's how the star system works. I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. What I'm saying here is the Styles Nakamura feud. Not that every match disappointed because the one in Money in the Bank was pretty good. I remember in 2018, but the first ones were a bit like, yeah, it was good, but we wanted more. They could have gone another gear or two up. Especially WrestleMania, that was the case. But will this be the same? I hope they just knock it out of the park at Fastlane if they do another match. Have it be balls to the wall. Have Rollins just go after Nakamura and try and finish him off. Hopefully that's where they're going. This is just sort of the storytelling match to get there. I'm not going to be too critical yet because we don't know. Uh, But for me, it was like three and a half, three and three quarters sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. When you're looking at the star rating system, you got to consider two other factors. The, yep. the guy who is uh, holding the pen that writes the, the wrestler's names on a piece of paper, that always factors in. Of course. Um, yeah. the, the soil where the arena is on. You know, if, yes. if the arena's in Japan or if, if it's in uh, Chicago at Tony Khan's favorite arena, that, that you know, you got to add, like, automatic another star just because of mm-hmm. those two factors, you know? So it, it's, it, it's, uh, it's, it's shady, you know? Um, overall thoughts on payback. For me... I give the show a solid B. I thought it was. I thought it was good. Yeah. You know, it was average, above average. You know, um, I wouldn't say it was like the best pay per view or PLE of the year or anything like that. Um, I thought it had potential to be. You know, the way they mm-hmm. set it up and the way they booked it. But I do yeah. think overall this show dragged. You know, it it, it was a long three hours and twenty five minutes, okay. whatever it ended up being, whatever the final number ended up being. It, it was just long. It was six matches. And what four of those matches were pretty much twenty minutes, you know? Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, could Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus have accomplished the same thing in sixteen minutes? Raquel and Rhea Ripley, we've already said they could have had a better match in even ten, twelve minutes. They could have had a better match, a better um, match in five. That could have been way better. Yeah, yeah. So I just the flow for a three and a half hour show to feel longer than that. It's not a great thing, you know. 
that that's why I would say the show wouldn't get the the A or the B plus or anything like that from me. Yeah, just for that factor alone. Yeah, well, you give it a B, which I guess numerically, I mean, for me, I interpret a B as like a seven out of ten, like a like a six good... and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I thought this was better than SummerSlam. Uh, this yeah, is probably one half. I I gave all in seven and a half, like a B plus sort of thing. Uh, I gave this like a seven. You know, this wasn't much worse than all in. Um, I thought, in my opinion, after Jay Uso was like announced on the Grayson Waller effect, I'm thinking this show could be really good. You know, because to that point, there'd nothing been nothing really bad. There'd been some great matches, some really good crowd moments, some great segments, some big stars on the show. But really, to me, the show went from like potentially an, it could be an A, could be excellent. That Raider and Raquel match was the big sort of oh, nah, it, it's dragon, it's dragon. That 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 was the one that sort of hurt the flow. And then the Rollins Nakamura match, not really getting out of a gear we know it can get out of, hurt it as well because of the storytelling, obviously. So. Yeah, and then the ending was just a bit, eh. Rollins wins, pal. Cool. Move on. Oh, See we, you at Raw. Uh, we got to talk about the Cena interview, too. That was fun. Yes. With Cena yes. in the, the backstage also, interview. Says, I'll give the show a seven, but Kevin, Cena interview. Talk to us. Yeah, no, no finish your what you're saying. I just wanted to say that before I forgot. No, I was just going to say, yeah. So, to me, yeah, the show was on, on pace to potentially be like an eight out of ten. A show could be like a show we look back on. Yeah, that was like a damn good, like that really surprised. Instead, it was a show which was, yeah. Decent to good, Michael. Like, yeah, is it one that we're going to look back on and you're going to rush to go back and watch? No. Is it on the same level as Backlash or Elimination Chamber? No. Is it a probably rung, probably two rungs below? Yes, it's B. So there you go. So I have there. Yeah. No, I just want I just want to mention that real quick. The Cena interview that was fun. You know, Cena in the suit, and he's just like he's doing like the the classic like anchorman. Like I thought he was funny. Like, Cena showed why he's one of the most versatile actors in Hollywood. He's hilarious, man. That, that's all I wanted to say. Just had to mention that. I'm so excited to talk about CM Punk. Are you done? Yes. Are we done talking about Payback? Yep. Yeah, but forget Payback, pal. Payback. Yes. Move yes. on, Kevin. Yes, yes. Talk to us. What happened today with CM Punk? I'm out of the loop, pal. What happened? Talk to us. So, I had to take a hit of the vape before I talk about this. Wow. <laughs> Your poor lungs, pal. Your poor lungs. So, AEW released a statement probably around like maybe three hours or so before Payback went live. And basically the statement was just like, yeah. Do you want to read it? Pal, do you want to read the statement? It's it's kind of long. It's a little long. You want me to read it? I mean, Kevin, I think for the the context, we are a professional podcast. I think it's only fair if you read the statement. All right. All right, let me find it. Hold on. Because, Kevin, th- this is a big deal. Kevin, this basically all but broke Twitter, essentially. This this was something I first had you and Brian and then another person sent this to me, this statement, Kevin. So have you got it up yet? Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to find it. Hold on. Yeah, you, you can tell we're live here. I've got it. I've got it, pal. I'm going to read you the statement and then I'll right, read your thoughts, right, I got it. Got it. Okay, I'll read it, and then we'll get your ruthless thoughts. Okay, pal? Sound good? Yep. Statement from All Elite Wrestling and Tony Khan. All Elite Wrestling, brackets AEW, has terminated, terminated the wrestler and employment agreements between Philip Brooks, CM Punk, and AEW with cause effective immediately. The termination was confirmed today by Tony Khan, 
And then it's all Tony Khan's titles, CEO, general manager, and head of AW Creative. The termination follows a week-long internal investigation of an incident occurring backstage at AW All In in London on Sunday, August 27th. Following the investigation, the AW Discipline Committee, more on that later, that's, that's interesting, uh, met and later convened with outside legal counsel before making a unanimous decision or re recommendation rather to Khan that CM Punk be terminated with cause. Khan offered the following statement. And then I'm going to read Tony Khan's statement. Then we're going to get your thoughts, Kevin. Phil played an important role within AEW and I thank him for his contributions. The termination of his AEW contracts with cause, they, they keep bringing that up with cause, interesting, is ultimately my decision and mine alone. Hmm, Okay. Of course, I wish I didn't have to share these this news, which may come as a disappointment to many of our fans. Nevertheless, I'm mm. making the decision in the best interests of the many, many amazing people who make AW possible every week, our talent, staff, venue operators, and many others whose efforts are unsung, but essential to bringing our fans great shows on television and, and arenas and stadiums throughout the world. There we go. So that's Tony Khan, pal. That's the statement. A bit to unpack there. I think I've read it to the best of my ability. Kevin, enough of that. Everyone wants to know what Wrestling Uncovered thinks <laughs> about CM Punk being fired by AW Talk. Uh, for me, I'm firmly in the side of CM Punk on this. 1,000%. I, I originally, when, when the all-in thing or the all-out thing happened last year, I was kind of like leaning towards AEW and, and the Young Bucks and, you know... Uh, not Jack Perry, but Hangman. Uh, Hangman was one of the catalysts there. Now, at this at this juncture, firmly in the side of CM Punk, in the corner of CM Punk. Like, okay, so I'm gonna go over some of the instances that AEW has had transpire under the watch of Tony Khan. So we had Eddie Kingston and Andrade get into a, a legit fight backstage. You know, uh, we had Sammy Guevara. Um, you know, has some comments resurfaced about him wanting to do things to uh, Sasha Banks. Um, you know, we had uh, whew, Thunder Rosa was bullied and by somebody. I can't remember who it was. Like, there were the reports that she was afraid. Like, she hide in the locker room. Big Swole. Um, yeah. Big Swole. Was it Big Swole that was bullying Thunder Rosa? Oh, uh, not, not bullying, but she had her separate thing with the, the representation. Britt Baker. It was Britt Baker, yeah. So Thunder Rosa was scared of Britt Baker and her crew. Um, and then, yeah, the Big Swole thing. Uh, Sammy and Andrade. Can't forget that. You know? Um, and CM Punk here, he gets fired. Doesn't make a lot of sense. You know? And, and Tony Khan attempting to fire him with cause. So what that means is that Tony Khan decided to pay him his contract because in, he has legally had a, a reason. And he says that he's claiming that CM Punk violated his contract. So unless he has some other dirt on CM Punk that we don't know about, CM Punk is going to fight that, for sure. CM Punk's going to fight that he was fired with cause. Like, what, what, is the, what is the cause, you know? He got into a little altercation with Jack Perry, and he lunged at Tony Khan, allegedly, caused monitors to fall on him. And, and, and then the, the statement that Tony Khan read, or not read, the statement that he presented before Collision went on the air and then during Collision, saying that he was scared for his life. Like, come on, bro. Are you kidding me? And, and unless there's something crazy out there that we don't know. There's, if, if there's a detail out there that we don't know, that something else was involved, that like there were threats or like 
Punk like had a weapon or something. If there's, if there's like cri real criminal case against CM Punk that we don't know about, if, if literally all that happened was Punk was angry and yelled at Tony Khan and lunged at him, and Tony Khan was out there on live TV saying that he's scared for his life, that is not a great look. This whole thing is not a great look for AEW. It, it's really a, it's a joke. It's a joke. Like it, the whole thing makes the company look like a joke. First of all, you bring in this guy, CM Punk. You know what you're getting into. All in last year, or all out last year at the press conference, CM Punk demasculates de Tony Khan right next to him on camera at the post-media scrum. You know? Yeah, Tony Khan shares a bank account with his dad. That'd be hilarious. Um, I would love to see CM Punk at a podcast. So he's out there, all out, media scrum. Demasculates him. Basically shows that Tony Khan has no power, you know, in the locker room. He's saying whatever, Tony Khan does nothing about it. You know? Okay, cool. Then, after he gets demasculated, what, nine months later, you bring the guy back. You already know he's a problem. You know he had problems with a lot of guys in the locker room. You saw it in every story CM Punk was involved with in AEW. What was the common theme? What was MJF? What was Cody saying? What was Eddie Kingston saying? What was John Moxley saying? Oh, we don't want you here. Big ego. CM Punk's not going to be around. He's a jerk. <coughs> so you know all that. And then you proceed to bring him back nine months later. And you give him his own show. You, you negotiate a two-hour live TV show that you don't need. You know, AEW doesn't need another live TV show. They're not, they're not a big enough company. You give the guy his, his own show, give him full creative control. You let him run amok. You let him send wrestlers home, fire wrestlers, bring wrestlers over to his own show. And then you fire the guy two months in because he punches one of your EVP's friends. You know, it's and Tony Khan could do this because he has his daddy's money. You know, he has enough money. The family has enough money that AEW does not need to make a profit. AEW can operate for 100 years and does not need to make a profit. That's how rich these people are. Money is literally nothing to them. They spent 60 million dollars on a video game. They don't care. They spend 10 million on CM Punk. Give him his own show. They don't give a fuck that money is not an object to them. So they could do it. Why not? You know. Kevin, the specifics of this, because obviously we know about the all-in, in, well, we haven't seen footage. Maybe maybe there is footage of this, and it, it may come out. I don't know. We, we've heard of, we've heard, seen reports. We know the, the gist of what happened there, which, as they referenced in the statement, is was one of the catalysts or the, like, the main thing that's triggered this taking place. We don't know. Now, the way Tony Khan was that with, I guess, I mean, the fear, the workplace, the, the, you know, being scared of this person in the workplace, that punks this, like, abrasive bully personality and that causing issues. It, it's hard to comment on that specifically. We're not in the AW locker room. We're not going to pretend to be AW behind-the-scenes personalities who are at shows, who are working with talents. We don't know. I, I, like this is one of these things which in years from now is going to be fascinating to listen to on shoot interviews. Like the behind the scenes of CM Punk in AEW. This is going to be one of the great like mythical things of shoot interviews. What actually happened? What did he say to this person? Did he like X? Did he have an issue with this person? How did X play out? A lot of it ways to be seen. And when it comes to this, I mean, a year ago, all out 2022, this really... In my opinion, that was the moment that 
we don't know where AW goes. We don't know whether that was the moment that caused the downfall of AW. Maybe AW has a boom period now, Kevin. I don't know. But I guess the question I'll ask you is in the, I guess, the landscape of AW, when we look back now, Kevin, in a year, two years, what will you look back on as, I guess, the legacy of Sam Punk in AW? Because he came in two years ago, immense fanfare in the United Center. I remember being emotional watching it. It was like this big, oh my God, I was showing friends. It was a legendary reaction. It's like, I remember where you were sort of moment. I can point you in my house where I was, how I felt. A year later after that, the infamous all out 2022 going off about your managers, going off about your boss as he's sitting right next to you, totally unprofessional, how justified and provoked that was. Yeah, I get it, but still incredibly unprofessional. That happens. Now this, you mentioned all the stuff of collision, sort of some of the backstage. This happens in 2023, basically a year after the all out 2022 thing. What's CM Punk's AW legacy to you? When you look back, what's CM Punk's AW legacy? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer that. I'm going to tell you my, what I think CM Punk's legacy is. But first, I want to explain in more detail why I'm on CM Punk's side in this. So let's think back. Let's go back 35 years, right? Let's just say. Mm-hmm. It's 1988, right? Mm-hmm. And you have an undercard guy. Let's say you got the Brooklyn Brawler, for example. One of the legends of this business, the, the greatest jobber, the most legendary jobber of all time, but an undercard guy and a jobber. Now, CM Punk is the Hulk Hogan to AEW. CM Punk is the biggest star, biggest merch mover, and it's not even close. You know, like you can try it like the, the, the dirt sheets can try to like the people that hate Punk can try to fudge the numbers and say that Orange Cassidy is moving more merch than Punk. I believe it when I see it, you know, um, <laughs> no. yeah. CM Punk give, drew their, their biggest buy rates. Their highest ratings. He's the Hulk Hogan of that company. Let's say it's 1988. The Brooklyn Brawler is like Jack Perry, you know? Undercard guy. Um, this guy was on the pre-show of the, the biggest show that AEW's ever ran. And he's making fun of and calling out the biggest star. If Brooklyn Brawler was making a joke of Hulk Hogan in 1988 in the opening match or the dark match of like WrestleMania 3, what do you think is going to happen to the Brooklyn Brawler? You know, but the thing is, Brooklyn Brawler. I, I get it. I know you're saying. I know you're saying. Yeah. But the like the, the structure was very different. That company yeah. wasn't run by like the management. Of that company wasn't all of Brooklyn Brawler's friends who are executives, and then they aren't buddy buddy with the the big. No, no, no. Watch. I get. I get that. I'm not. I'm not disputing yeah. that. I'm saying why. No, I'm, I'm, why I'm on Punk's side? Like I get that. I I understand. This is an undercard guy making fun of the biggest star in the company, yeah. you know? And the the boss is not going to do anything about it because he wants to be buddy-buddy with everyone. And there is real no... There's really no one else under him, under Tony Khan, you know? So CM Punk takes matters into his own hands. They, they want to run the show like a, like the Wild Wild West. They want to run it like it's an amateur hour. CM Punk's going to treat it like an amateur hour, you know? Mm-hmm. In, in WWE, in 2013... If an, if an undercard guy that nobody barely knew was making fun of CM Punk when he was a WWE champion, like, for real, like, shooting on CM Punk, that guy would be handled, you know? The John John Laurinaitis would be like, hey, man, there's no room for that in this in this company. Get out of here, you know? Mm. AEW doesn't have that structure. So CM Punk takes matters into his own hands and is like, yo, what the fuck, Jack Perry? You know? Like, who are you? You know? And then you got this guy, Jack Perry, this guy who was born in Hollywood Hills, probably never been in a real fight. You know, he's the son of an actor, probably... 
everybody wanted to be his friend growing up. You know, this guy never really is in any conflict. Probably doesn't have very good people skills, you know. And yeah. then you, you yeah. have a guy like CM Punk who's from the streets, like literally was homeless in Chicago growing up. You know, what's going to happen when you put those two in a room, you know? And you have no no one there to say, hey, like keep the, the checks and balances. So if anything comes from this, if anything good comes from this, Tony Khan needs to invest in getting a guy like John Laurinaitis, a guy like Bruce Pritchard, a, a guy like like that that's going to come in and say, hey, you know, like we're going to keep we're going to keep things in check here, you know. Um, well, Kevin, does IW have a head of talent relations? Yeah, Daniels, who's like Christopher Daniels, who's the Young Bucks best the Young Bucks best friend, and that's the problem. Because he's just a, a friend of them. It's not. It's not some. And this is where I get it. This is where a lot of the guys who've left WWE and have gone to AEW and being the game changers, infamously starting with Moxley. He's talked about this on Talk Is Jericho and every interview he's done almost. But really, a lot of the guys have moved over. WWE have too many suits and ties, people with big titles, a lot of executive people. But that one of the positives, at least is it prevents a, pretty much what's happened here, which, as you're saying, the lack of sort of that structure has led Punk to be like, well, F this guy. Like, he's, he's taking shots at me, like, every time he's on TV because he's he's a moron and he's got no people skills and he's privileged. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to headlock him. I'm going to whack him. Like, like, who does he think he is? And then a monitor's fallen on Tony Khan. It's been this conflict. Tony Khan's there, like, he's just like, oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, Khan doing his like the big beady eyes he does. He's like, <laughs> like he's just shocked. He's like, oh my god, conflict. What? AW is a safe space. What? What the hell? And then this has happened. And then he's gone. Oh my god. And then the, the what? What they called it in the statement, pal? The uh, the what? The discipline committee. Which I mean, I'm not gonna speculate who's in that, but I mean, <laughs> Young Bucks, <laughs> Omega, <clears throat> Christopher Daniels. Jack Perry, Tony Khan. Um, I don't know who'd be in that, did you think? But I don't know. I mean, I guess they've just gone, no, get rid of him. He's a problem. Bye. And then they've terminated with cause, which that's a big grounds for a lawsuit. If I'm Phil Brooks, I'm looking at that going, terminate with cause. But the the same people firing me, not bashed in my locker room door and assaulted my, like me in front of my best friend, his wife and a dog. Literally assaulted me, workplace harassment. So, allegedly. So, all this stuff is going to play out. It's going to play out in court, I reckon. This is going to be a, a, a spicy lawsuit. Um, you say, yeah, the Khans have so much money. How much could Punk get them for if a he lot. is proven to be right and there's some evidence or he can back up what in, in his in eyes would be the truth in this situation? This is going to get spicy, pal. There's so much more on this. Um, Kevin, I don't know. Anything else? On, I mean, there's so much. This is like the second biggest story of the year, I think. Yeah. Behind, unfortunately, and this isn't even a story. The, the tragic passing of Bray about a week ago—that was just heartbreaking. Th- this is very different. This is the most spicy drama in wrestling. This is going to get a wrestling uncovered video. P- people are already commenting on my Dark Side of the Ring CM Punk video from a year ago, requesting a part two <laughs> after what's happened here. So, Kevin, oh, I mean, well, let, let, I, let me let me tell you, CM Punk's legacy now. Yeah. So, CM Punk's legacy at AEW is. Um, it's gonna be the backstage stuff. It's gonna the backstage stuff at his debut. 
on the first Rampage. His backstage stuff is going to overlook everything that he's done in the ring, aside from his debut with the company. Mm -hmm. Every promo, every storyline, every match is way overshadowed by the all-out situation last year and the all-in situation this year. And all the constant news, the drama about him sending this guy home and, oh, he has beef with Hangman. Oh, Dave Meltzer's writing stories about him. It's um, it's amateur. It's amateur on all sides, you know, CM Punk included, to a degree, you know. But CM Punk, like I said, like I said earlier, or like I said on a previous episode, he's from a bygone era, you know. So, I mean, yes, I, I get it. I get it. No, I get it. Um, but Punk, I mean, we've known this since he did really. I mean, since he left in 2014 for the first time, he's a ticking time bomb of frustration. It's his way or the highway. If you're with me, thank you. If you're against me, F you. Direct quote from Phil. So stuff like this, when he's got natural, you know, just Phil Brooks, he's got a sort of abrasive personality. This is a guy who blasts riders backstage in like 2011 in WWE. Uh, the, a rider would come up to him being like, oh, Phil, um, what do you think of this? And uh, they'd like anxiously pass him a bit of paper. Punk would read and be like, that sucks. And they'd like, throw it away. And then, but, and then the off the, the writer would, you know, trudge back to the writer's room and be like, Phil didn't like that. Let's rewrite something. Hopefully he doesn't get angry this time. Like that, that was punk 12 years ago when he was in his prime in his early to mid thirties. Now he's in his mid forties. He's irritable. He's kind of done all in wrestling already. He's making a ridiculous amount of money. A lot of, a bunch of the personalities backstage punks look at him going, I grew up in uh, 20 years ago, I was wrestling guys who were, like the type you mentioned, like these guys who are hard as nails, this real like wrestler in like the, just the sort of stereotype, you know, hard man wrestler who took no BS. And now I've got Jack Perry and these other guys are all his friends who are just weak as piss, soy boy, like idiots who can't take anything. They complain, they cry over nothing. They, they're making issues and kicking up stinks to me because I have an issue with them. And they're trying to, take digs at me in every turn, F this guy. And so I, I, get, I get where Punk's coming from. I get where the elite are coming from. If you've ever worked in a, you know, or the elite or, you know, Tony Khan, that sort of thing. If you've ever worked in like a company and there's been a personality who you thought, oh, they're a problem. Like this stuff can arise, maybe not this extent. So Kevin, look, the legacy of Punk, can we say we're surprised this sort of thing happened? I can't say I'm surprised. I'm seeing it play out in real time though. From the moment the rumors started of Punk coming to AW in mid 2021 to now, we've seen this full thing play out. Feels like watching a soap opera. It's been cinema, pal. This has been cinema, cinematic, pal. <laughs> cinema. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're gonna look back at Punk's run at AEW. It's gonna be crazy. Um, he he's not the only guy that's difficult to work with. You know, all the top stars are. You know what I mean? You think you think writers you think writers in two thousand one weren't afraid of Steve Austin? You know, we know um, like I've already uncovered what Steve Austin was like at that time. So yeah, you know, um, yeah, Hogan. You know, I'm I'm sure Hogan wasn't the e the easiest to deal with, um, as I've talked about before too. So it, it's a common thing. Shawn Michaels, you know, Shawn Michaels out there fornicating people's wives, and you know, yelling at Bret Hart and. And stuff. So CM Punk's not the first and only guy that's difficult to work with. You know, 
And as Brian asks, and I'll ask you, it's a good turning point as well. So, is, is that Punk's done now? Probably, this, yeah. Because, I mean, we're going to hear a lot from Punk in court. I have no doubt about that. This is going to be uh, this is going to be one of the big things in wrestling next year, or however long this goes for. The fallout of this decision from Tony Khan and the, the AW, the what, what do they call that committee? The um the discipline, discipline committee. committee. Yeah, pal, the discipline committee. Yeah. Um, and Tony Khan that, that, and the that's legal the uh, the kids, pal. Allegedly, uh, but this being said, pal, yeah. Punk's done. Uh, do you see Punk back in the E? How do you see Triple H being like, yeah, that same Sam Punk who in 2011 was trying to make fun of me at every turn and you know got angry at me and buried me in interviews and that guy who trashed me at every cost and made fun of my wife and my family and all that. I, I, I need to get him back because Punk versus Roman could be a good match. Well, the the clip surfaced of uh, Seth Rollins being asked about a CM Punk return like last year. And uh, yeah, Seth Rollins is like, yeah, we don't want that cancer. Keep him out of the locker room. We don't want him here. He was a cancer then. He's still a cancer. We saw what he's doing at AEW. And he's like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks on the CM Punk experiment. So um, I don't think CM Punk's phone is going to be ringing anytime soon by Triple H or Nick Khan. I I don't think so. Uh, CM Punk is starring in Heels on Stars. You know, him and his wife are now on season two. They're they're both he he was in season one, now she is in season two. So that's gonna be his main job now, I think. He'll be doing a little yep. acting. Uh yeah, I think he's done. I, I don't I don't see him coming back to wrestling. I, I don't think he has, he uh, he doesn't have a passion for it like that, as you could tell. Yeah. You know? So Yeah. Yeah, he's he's the patience and tolerance you know, and the like the the pay- I want to say people skills. His people skills, I imagine, are quite good if he likes the person. But if he has an issue, he'll just outwardly express it, which I've seen people and the sort of fall out in the discourse around this is sort of, oh, if he doesn't like them, like, why should you have to be, you know, cooperative and civil with them? And it's like, well, you, <coughs> by saying that, you're telling us you've never dealt with people in a professional environment is what I'm hearing when I hear people say, well, well if Punk, you know, he, he was wrongly done by these people, he should be able to speak his mind and do what he wants and all this. <coughs> Yeah. Okay. Cool. But that it's a profession. It's a professional. We'll call AW professional company. You can't just go around doing what you. You can't go around insulting the management broadly in front of the head honcho at a media scrum, trashing them, swearing about them. Any job you get fired doing that. So I'm surprised Punk wasn't fired all out last year. And then we get to this, and there's been more incidents. And who knows? Maybe there are even more incidents we don't know about Kevin. So, yeah. Um, it yeah. is what it is now. It's going to play out in court, as we say. Uh, I think the best is yet to come of this. And by the best, I mean the most scandalous, the most juicy, the most... A punk side of this is going to make an incredible shoot interview, an incredible legal case. It's going to... I, I think this will rock the wrestling world if more than has already. This is this is going to change wrestling one way or the other. Either how AEW goes about business, the structure of AEW, AEW... I mean, financially, they'll be okay regardless but maybe something's changing that's all i'm gonna say there's gonna be a lot to come from there's gonna be a big domino effect from CM punk getting fired pal mark my words oh yeah all right so that's gonna do it for the uh the podcast portion of the show now we're just gonna hang out with the live stream uh the live stream chat you know do yeah. some do a little uh goofing around you know yeah. so yeah so that if you're on spotify you're listening to us on there apple podcast thank you for listening if you made it this far we appreciate you Yep. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys on the next one.